You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, everyone. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune in. And I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you enjoy it and that you find it interesting and maybe a little fun too. And to everyone who's a regular listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thanks so much for the support. I always appreciate it big time. A big shout out to my incredible sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. Mike, Hope, and everyone there at INLP Center offer just incredible resources and content that's so easy to learn, very natural, and I highly recommend it, and I'm privileged to be able to get my certifications through INLP Center. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls, and a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with skills and information you can use every day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful and interesting, please do consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends. That would be awesome. So today I'm joined by Anya, a recent college graduate from UNC where she studied psychology. We're talking about young adults and college students and the struggles of depression, bipolar, and mania. Anya's blog, The Calculating Mind, which I'll link in the show notes, is a place where she shares her thoughts from a unique and insightful point of view, a place where she tells it like she sees it, not only about her own diagnoses, but also what she feels can be changed in the world of mental health. We talk about how everything in her world changed in 2014 and what it's been like for her as a college student living with bipolar depression and mania. This podcast will surely be helpful for those who are at a similar point in their life that Anya is to see how she's made it this far and where she's headed with the knowledge that she's gained through her research, studies in college, and working with professionals. Be sure and check out her blog, The Calculating Mind, and I'll put her social media information in the show notes. So without further delay, let's join my recent chat about depression, bipolar, and college life right now. So hey, Anya, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's an honor to have you here. I'm excited to get to learn more about you to cover some topics such as, uh, you know, your diagnosis with uh, depression and bipolar and the impacts of that with you being a college student and what your mental health goals are. And so all kinds of great stuff today. So why don't we start out and you can share a little bit more about yourself. You can talk about your blog, you know, what your studies in school were, pretty much anything you want to share to let people know more about you. Sure. Okay. Um, I recently graduated actually, so I'm no longer a college student. But I was studying biology and psychology, and in halfway through college, right after my sophomore year of school, I was just hit with this, like, pretty much a random depressive episode that I had not anticipated because no one in my family has any diagnosed mental illness, so it's not like something I would have foreseen 
and um, there was no, like, big life event, no trigger, no family death or anything. So it just seemed to hit me that summer right after sophomore year back in 2014, and it was really severe, and I just felt like um, I wouldn't be able to go back to school. I would fail out. Like, I had all these anxious thoughts, and I just started isolating myself, and so my friends started noticing, and my family was really concerned. So it just kind of hit me out of nowhere, and I felt like I was unprepared and just spiraled out of control, and um, I would just... So a big part of my writing is I would like to educate other people about the signs so that they know what depression looks like or bipolar looks like or um, severe anxiety so that they can pick up on those signs and they can know how to seek help before they hit what might be rock bottom. Yeah, that's so interesting how it just kind of hits you out of the blue. And I think that's one thing that always is fascinating and it also frustrating for anyone who suffers with any type of mental health challenge, um, you know, is just trying to figure out where it came from. And you mentioned that there wasn't any trigger, there wasn't any kind of event or anything that kind of brought it on. It just like kind of hit you out of the blue back in that summer of 2014. So did you initially think that it was depression? Did you just maybe not sure, maybe you didn't realize exactly what it was, but you thought it was depression? Like kind of maybe take us a little bit into that summer or into that moment when you started having this uh, depressive episode and what was kind of going through your mind as far as what is this, where did it come from type of thing? Right. So I actually had just finished taking a clinical psychology class. So I was familiar with the basic definitions of different mental illnesses. So I would have known what symptoms were of depression and things along those lines. But still, it's one thing to read it and say write a paper on it and a whole other thing to experience it yourself. So um, I felt like that, I don't, I don't know. I think because other people um, maybe don't take mental illness that seriously, that I felt like it was just I was being weak or I just couldn't get it together. I wasn't um, taking it as, oh, I have an illness and I need to go seek treatment right away. It was just like I'm being weak, and um, so I put a lot of blame on myself for having symptoms of an illness, which doesn't really make sense, but I think a lot of people with mental illness do that. They have some kind of like even the self-stigma beyond the stigma that the public gives them to. That's a huge thing. It's a, it's very common. Um, I've been there as well as, as like putting blame on myself, trying to figure out what I did or why I didn't see it coming or, or how I could have prevented it or how I could have changed it. And, you know, just so many times we do that. And then we live in that shame for, for so often because we can't figure out what's going on. And we feel like everybody's looking at us and judging us, or we didn't see something coming we should have. And now how is it going to affect our life? And, it just, it can be a very difficult time, especially early on, even for someone like you who, you know, was going through school and, and was learning about um, mental health and, you know, in this case, depression and all the things that, you know, you thought maybe uh, you had learned about and now all of a sudden you didn't see anything coming and, and it hits you out of the blue. And I, I can see how that would be um, just incredibly stressful and frustrating. Um, so maybe take us down a little bit more of that road of, how did you kind of come to terms with it? What did you do to help yourself? Did you know of any uh, strategies or coping skills or resources that you could reach out to? Or was it more of just kind of finding your way? Um, so right 
as of right now, there's so much more that I know about my own symptoms and my condition than I did um, even a few years ago. So back in 2014, I didn't really know how to identify my symptoms and how to view them as symptoms and how to really accept that it is a condition that I need to seek professional um, treatment for and seek professional help for. So I actually um, needed to rely on my support network, that being my friends and my family. So I'm fortunate to have that network because not everyone who has these kind of conditions do have someone else to rely on. But um, my family helped me go to a psychiatrist appointment, which I really didn't want to do. Um, I ended up going to a therapist first, and um, after one session, I was done (laughs) (laughs) because um, she said, like, what do you like to do? And I said, I think I said I like to do Zumba. And then the the way that it was phrased made me think that she wasn't taking my condition seriously, that it was like, oh, you can just go to a Zumba class and then you'll be happy. And that wasn't the case. Um, it was severe, major depressive episode, and that's not something that you can just dance off. So um, I ended up taking the psychiatry approach more seriously. So I understand that um, that was the wrong therapist for me. There are obviously really good therapists out there. But um, the psychiatrist put me on an antidepressant, and eventually over weeks, I started um, getting out of that depressive episode. Wow, good for you for recognizing that that therapist wasn't helping you. And yeah, I mean, if if you were getting the feeling that just taking an exercise class or any type of, you know, just regular class was going to help you go through something so real and intense as, you know, what you're experiencing, well... I think it's a good reminder for us all that you know, when you seek out professional help, it's definitely okay to use it as a bit of a trial and error experiment and don't be afraid to walk away from someone who isn't helping you or isn't taking you seriously or there just isn't a connection between you and your helping professional, be it a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, whatever the case may be, because not every type of method, not every type of personality works with every single person, there is no cookie cutter approach. So I'm glad that you were able to realize that, Hey, this person was not going to be helpful. So I need to go down another road. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so let's kind of jump ahead a little bit here and let's talk about, um, you, you went to see, um, a psychiatrist, you got on some medication, things, things started to kind of come back together and you were able to move forward now feeling a little bit more confident. Where does the bipolar diagnosis fit in here? When did that happen? Was that um, a diagnosis that came from the same psychiatrist or how did that come about? So after that summer with that depressive episode, I was still depressed going into August. So I took that semester off in order to take time for my mental health and to recover because I honestly think that if I went to back to school with that kind of, um, in that kind of state, then I would have gone from a 3.8 GPA to, I I don't know, like it would have completely tanked. Um, I feel like I would have completely failed and I'm not a bad student, but that's just, uh, depression can have such a severe impact on your ability to function. So I was with that psychiatrist, but then I moved away back to my college, which is two hours away. So 
I was no longer seeing that psychiatrist. And I feel like there was just a lack of follow-up then because I wasn't seeing that psychiatrist, but then I wasn't getting a new psychiatrist in my college town. So um, I was put on a medication without that kind of follow-up that is necessary. And I think that I was a point where I felt good, so I just stopped taking medication. And that is something that is obviously very dangerous to do, um, having just stopping your medication without a doctor's approval, without um, gradually decreasing the dosage. But that's what I did because I felt fine, so I felt like I don't need it anymore. It was just one depressive episode. It's never going to happen again, and I'm fine. Um, But then I think that either the antidepressant itself caused a hypomanic kind of state or the fact that um, I stopped it caused that state because I transitioned from depression to kind of a normal to increasing above normal to a kind of hypomanic state that was noticeable to my friends and family as not being normal. Yeah, absolutely. That had to be. And and I I think it's, um, I mean, I went through something similar in that I was on medications for a while and then I had had stopped them myself too. And it was a bit of a rocky experience. And I realized that I probably shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, in your case, you know, uh, you you were on medications, and then you weren't seeing that that professional anymore. So there wasn't any follow up. So it was kind of, okay, well, I've got this, I feel good. Well, now what do I do? And you know, am I really feeling better because of medication? Am I just healing? So I don't need it anymore. So that's something that a lot of people experience. It's definitely not uncommon. Um, As I said, I've been through it as well. I've talked to a lot of people who have been on medications and even under the, the supervision of a medical doctor or a psychiatrist, or um, sometimes we feel like this, the stuff that we're taking is working and then we don't need it anymore. And then we go off and realize, Hmm, maybe we need something different or maybe we need to go back on. So when you got to the point of the bipolar diagnosis, um, maybe share a little bit more about that was your reactions. Was it, uh, what was it angry? Was it confusion, denial? Were, were you relieved that you had like a label to put on these feelings now? Or what was that like? So actually my um, parents told me to go back to the psychiatrist and she took me off of the antidepressant or at that point, I don't think I was even taking it anymore. So she said, I'm going to put you on this mood stabilizer. But she had not told me that she thought maybe that I had a bipolar disorder instead of just um, depression. And I feel like that lack of communication was a big issue because um, if I had been told that I have a lifelong condition rather than just one depressive episode, then I think I would have taken my treatment and my medications much more seriously. But um, that information wasn't told to me. Therefore, I also stopped taking my mood stabilizer at some point. So there was just a lot of lack of follow-up, and I think that's a major issue because if you have a mental illness, that's not something that goes away. So you have to have consistent treatment or else it can just get worse over time. So yeah. I actually didn't get my bipolar diagnosis until um, the end of 2015, early 2016, and that was because I was in a psychology class and I was told to watch a mental health movie and to look in the DSM and see if the character is an accurate depiction of the mental illness they're trying to convey. And I watched the Silver Linings Playbook, 
and the character, the main character, has bipolar disorder. So I was looking at the DSM for my paper, and then I realized that all the features of mania were ones that I was currently exhibiting, and that was really stressful to kind of find out that way that you have bipolar disorder. My goodness, yes. And I you know what I find so so interesting is, um, you know, you were kind of going through life, you know, doing your thing, going to school, and then all of a sudden in the summer of 2014, everything changed. And with, between that time and then, you know, the end of 2015, you went from not really thinking there was anything going on. Life was pretty okay. You're going to college, you know, all you got all your life ahead of you, et cetera, et cetera. Then all of a sudden you find out that you're, you're, you're experiencing depression and then you, you're seeing a psychiatrist and then you're on medication and then you're not. And then you get a bipolar diagnosis pretty much just by doing your own research. Um, so that that's incredible, gigantic, life-changing stuff all in about, you know, the timetable of about a year, right? Right. And I think also um, there are stressors like that was during exam time. And so I was actually escalating to full-blown mania during exam time. Um, I was obsessing over what I perceived to be a misdiagnosis. And so I was, I was really, it was really obsessive. I was trying to interview friends and family to see if they had picked up on symptoms. And I was thinking that the doctor had misdiagnosed me. So who can diagnose me better than me? Like no one knows me better than me. <laughs> So I have to do it. I have to figure it out myself. I have to fix myself. And that was so much stress on me on top of exams. And then it just um, turned into sleeping maybe two hours a night. And that was one week and then the next week and not eating. And it was just full-blown mania. So you are, you know, in college. And yeah, let's maybe talk about that a little bit more for those who are listening who are either in college or getting ready for college or perhaps their parents who have children who are in college. And what types of uh, perhaps uh, more information can you share about how all how how these diagnoses were affecting your college life? You know, you mentioned the exams and the tests and the full blown mania and the anxiety that was coming around with it. Um, how did it affect things like your friendship and your and your relationships and other parts of your college life? I think it might be helpful to kind of get that firsthand perspective from somebody who was there and really lived with all of these things. Some of which you were aware of and self diagnosed with, and other things maybe you weren't necessarily as familiar with so you're kind of learning as you go right right um so I actually went to I was supposed to have a meeting with a psychology professor about grad school and that was during that December that time when I was experiencing mania and I just told him that I felt like I had bipolar disorder and I wasn't diagnosed and I wasn't being treated for it and so he emailed me a list of local professionals in the area who could give me a proper diagnosis and who could help me with the treatment, whether that's a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist or some kind of combination. And I also ended up um, being driven by a friend to CATS on campus, which is the Counseling and Psychological Services. And for students, that's a really good resource because they are able to connect students with psychiatry or what therapy or whatever kind of services they need um, if they are experiencing symptoms or even if it's subclinical like exam stress and they just need someone to talk to. So I think that resources like that are really important to keep in mind for people who are either going into college or are in college right now. It's great advice and, and it's a great reminder for everyone that 
for as exciting and opportunistic a time as college is, there's a whole lot of unknowns and things that you get into, especially when you're out there, you know, kind of on your own for the first time and you have to navigate your, you know, your life more on your own and, you know, start to grow up and become adult and, and take responsibility for your own well-being and having resources like you mentioned, those uh, on-campus programs and places that students can go for help or just to talk to someone is huge. And it sounds like it's something that really um, helped you. So this kind of popped in my mind. You, that would be a great, um, or have you ever considered writing a book about this or, or something? I mean, I, I know you have a blog, which of course I'll link in the show notes, but this experience mm-hmm. of, of, you know, kind of growing up and going to school and then getting a diagnosis in, in 2014. And, you know, now it's uh, 2018 as we are, you know, here uh, recording this in July. So uh, maybe I, I think it'd be kind of a cool idea for a book. So I'm just kind of throwing it out there because I would definitely read it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually looking into doing some kind of project like that. I've never taken that on. I've basically written an article form or post form. So I've never written something nearly as long as a book. But it is something that I'm considering. I think it'd be a cool idea. So yeah, keep me posted. I would love to follow up with that with that venture and see what happens in the future for you. It's about four years or so since everything changed with a different diagnosis. And of course, you're out of college now and looking to get your career started. So for somebody who has just graduated and has experienced everything you have and learned about themselves and some of the things that they, you know, done for some of the things that you've done for yourself that have worked and things that maybe you could do differently, uh, perhaps share kind of in your own uh, recovery journey, what's really helped you, um, any kind of advice you can offer, uh, different coping strategies, pretty much just share a little bit more of what your life is like now that you've graduated, you're getting out into the workforce, and you're still on your own healing journey from, uh, you know, these uh, diagnoses that changed your life. Right. I think that one thing, which may sound obvious, but is to take your symptoms seriously, um, because mental illness often isn't perceived as serious as physical illness. But that's rather silly, because mental illness impacts the brain, which impacts the entire body. Um, For example, mania caused me to gain, I'm sorry, lose a significant amount of weight to the point where I was borderline at an anorexic weight. And that was just because I had zero appetite. And um, I was just running on that manic energy. And um, so it has such a toll on your overall health, that I don't think it's something to downplay. You definitely should take care of yourself and make sure that you are aware of your own symptoms and that others around you are aware of symptoms so that they can they can tell you if they pick up on those signs so that you can be aware of it and that you can go seek treatment early if that's something that you need. Always remember is that your your mental health, your well-being, it, it, it's an important part of who you are. You know, we, we put so much emphasis on physical health and staying fit and, you know, getting healthy and eating right and all the things that we can do for the physical side of our bodies to help prolong our lives and, you know, all that type of thing. But it's always uh, important to remember that our mental health is just as, if not more important, utilizing the resources that are out there, taking your symptoms seriously and reaching out and asking for help um, is really just so important because in the end, I mean, there are resources out there, there are things you can do, but ultimately it's up to us to take the initiative to start doing the research, to seek out help, 
to find out what works and what doesn't, you know, be open to different types of treatment options and really just explore what mental health means for us um, individually. So, so, so for you looking ahead in the future now, um, you know, it, it seems like you have a, a pretty good handle on yourself and um, what you need to do to take care of yourself. So maybe share a little bit about what your daily routine is like in terms of self-care um, coping strategies that you use, things that you do to help manage your, uh, you know, your symptoms and just kind of generally take care of yourself. Anything that you can share would probably be really helpful. Sure. Um, right now I'm kind of in a gap period between um, college and career or grad school. So right now I don't really necessarily have a structured day because I'm interviewing and that kind of thing. But um I like to keep busy because I found that if I have a lot of empty time in my day, that that can kind of lead to lead to an anxious depressive spiral. And um, so that's not good. It's good to have a to-do list and goals so that you're productive. And that um, I think that leads to um, higher confidence in yourself and your abilities. So right now, even though I don't have a structured day, I make sure to have daily goals and keep busy with blogging and writing. And I find that different art forms, such as writing or drawing or photography, are kind of coping mechanisms for me because I think they help me uh, feel better, as well as dancing, because exercise is also something important to incorporate. So I think it's good to just find whatever works for you and try to incorporate that into your weekly schedule and make sure that self-care isn't something that you just kind of like forget about, um, but something that you make sure to include in your routine. Yes. Most excellent. Um, self-care exercise. I love that you're using art and photography and dance. Those are all art therapy and music therapy, dance. That's all just very expressive, incredible ways to help take care of yourself, to kind of get out of your own head a little bit, to be mindful and fully present and do something you enjoy. Because uh, I think it's always important to remember that for as much time as we spend working on ourselves, whether it's physical health, whether it's uh, mental health, uh, inside our careers, our relationships, whatever, is take the time that you need to take care of you and don't feel bad about it. Don't feel like you're being selfish or you know you should be doing something else because Ultimately, self-care is a huge part of any kind of regular routine, whether you are living with depression or bipolar or uh, anxiety disorders or anything else. Um, it's a good reminder to always do things to take care of you, to give your brain a break and, and, and to do something you enjoy. Because just because we have a diagnosis doesn't mean that we aren't um, able to go out and enjoy life and do things. And so um, one last question, Anya, before we wrap it up is, um, kind of sticking with the whole college theme here is in your experiences while you were going through college, did you notice a lot of the of your fellow students suffering with with depression or perhaps other different types of mental health challenges? And how open were they to seeking help? Was it something that really wasn't talked about? Was it something that people were more open to? I'm just I'm curious what the college life um, is like for somebody who who just went through it. And, you know, living with obviously depression and bipolar and uh, perhaps others on on campus who were also struggling with maybe something similar. And, um, you know, if they were open to receiving help or if they just kind of brushed it aside or. Sure. So 
I went to UNC, and that is a fairly competitive college. And uh, I think that excessive anxiety is kind of normalized in that environment where um, during exam time, it's normal for someone to not sleep for nearly two weeks or to push themselves to be writing until 4 a.m. and then take exam at 8 a.m. And so um, a lot of people just kind of normalize um, high-functioning anxiety, um, even though it is clearly an issue and has an impact on their health. Other illnesses, people don't really disclose unless you're close to them. I personally, a lot of people have come to me because I've been open about my diagnosis on my blog. So some people that I I hadn't known um, had illnesses or labeled conditions, um, they've told me personally, privately, that they have these conditions. So before, I thought that no one I knew had bipolar disorder or depression, and then I come to find out that actually a lot of people that I know do have these conditions, but they're just not open about it the way that I am. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool that your blog was able to be like a source of of encouragement and and validation for you know your friends and and and, and people and other students um, on campus there. And I know college life is just has to be so unbelievably competitive. I know uh, my daughter graduated last year, and just you know, regardless of what campus you go to, it's just this you're there and you want to learn and you want to get good grades, you, you know, you want to get your career started. And it's just this, um, it's very, very, I, I know she dealt with uh, stress um, in, in just very different ways. And I think it's a good reminder for a, everyone, as, as you mentioned that um, anxiety in particular, you know, while it can be kind of normalized or perhaps glossed over as just, yeah, I'm anxious because it's, it, it's, it's exam time or I'm anxious because I'm in college or I'm anxious because finals are coming up or I'm going to graduate soon or because I'm a freshman, whatever the case may be, you know, take that anxiety seriously. Don't just brush it off because, you know, it's one thing to just feel a little bit nervous and apprehensive about a test. But when it gets to the point to where, you know, you have been talking about and and how so many others experience anxiety to where it can be full blown, um, just really debilitating and cause you to isolate, keep yourself out of activities and, and to worry so much that you obsess over everything. Those are um, signs that, you know, perhaps seeking some some professional help, working through that anxiety, doing some research, trying to find out how you can cope in a more healthy way is really going to to really help you in the long run. And just, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. I think that's probably a thing that we can agree on is no matter what, whether you're in college or elsewhere, when you feel like you there's something that's just not right, go out and ask for help. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Anya, this has been great. I appreciate you sharing some of your insights. Why don't we wrap it up? You can tell everyone uh, about your blog, maybe some future plans, what you're looking forward to doing. And uh, yeah, anything else you want to share, including social media? I have been blogging on uh, my WordPress blog, which is calculatingmind.wordpress.com. And that is also uh, what I use for my social media. So on Twitter, I'm at calculatingmind. And on Instagram, I'm calculatingmind. So if you Google... Um, the calculating mind or my name, then I should probably pop up because I'm also on sites such as the mighty uh, consumer health digest and odyssey. So I've written a lot about my anxiety, depression, and mania because I found that when I write about it, then other people feel like 
they're less alone and that they can open up more about it. And I really want to encourage people to have those conversations and not feel like they have to suffer in silence. And that's basically the goal of my writing. And I hope to continue writing as well as exploring different ways of communicating this message to others, such as this podcast. And I'm also currently looking into blogging. So that's I have a lot of projects going on, and I'm really excited about that. Excellent. And I'm excited to kind of keep tabs on your career and what happens. And I'll put links to all of those resources you mentioned in the show notes. Everybody can check out your blog and your work on the mighty and, and all the other amazing sites that you're doing. And then we'll also look forward to hopefully your vlog in the future. So thanks again, Anya. This has been great. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, inlpcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.